Good morning. How's everybody today? Good. Well, welcome to Portico. It's great to have you here. We want to welcome you if you're in our video cafe this morning. And uh, I hate to be the one that um, has to sort of break it to you and say it out loud this morning, but today is the last day of August. I know. Some of you hadn't looked at the calendar. You didn't realize that yet. But it's today. That means tomorrow is September the 1st, and uh, you know what that means. Some of you parents who have young kids are like, you bet I know what that means. They're going back to school, right? I mean, woo-hoo for, parents, for kids going back to school? No? Wow, we had some excited people about that in first service. I don't know. Uh, so you got kids going back to school, maybe have already gone back to university. I know that my, do- my uh, daughter left earlier this week to go back to... Uh, to Halifax to move into her apartment. That's actually where my wife is this weekend. And just, uh, she's coming back today after getting her settled. But uh, because it's the end of August, th- there's lots of stuff that's happening starting right in September. And we want to just remind you of a couple things. And we're going to three services. Did, did you all know that? Yes, yeah, starting on September the 21st, September 2 plus 1, we'll be having services at 840, 1010, and 1140. And uh, in order to prepare for that, we need lots of help. We need ministry partners to serve in and to help us. We need new people to be able to, uh, to pull this off. And so uh, if you're wondering about that, about how can I serve, where can I serve, what's the best fit for me, we have a, a class for you starting this weekend, Friday evening and Saturday morning, called SHAPE. And uh, SHAPE is a class where you can come and find out about how your spiritual gifts, your, your heart or your passion, your abilities, your personality, and your experiences all play into where God has best fitted you for his kingdom. And so if that's something that you're interested in, we have an insert in your bulletin. You can go and sign up at the Information Center today. We're hoping that we get a great response to this class on Friday and Saturday. And then the other thing I want to mention to you is that this Wednesday evening at 7 o'clock, we have our first new community service of the fall. And uh, these are great services. If you have not been out to one yet, you have missed out. And uh, it is just uh, a wonderful time in God's presence, just a free expression of our worship and teaching from God's Word and time to be able to seek His face. And so we want to just encourage you, come on out Wednesday night, 7 o'clock is the service time. If you want to join us for dinner, please be here at 545, and uh, we'll have dinner in the gym beforehand. And so uh, just be aware of those things, all right? We're in a series together called Get Smart. And uh, you watch the video bumper, we're going to look at this last message in the series this morning. And uh, so if you have your Bibles, I want to just encourage you to take those out right now. And if you don't have a Bible, we do have one that we can loan to you. Just slip your hand up nice and high if you need a Bible this morning, and one of our ushers will come and uh, we'll help you with that. Thank you, ushers, for serving us in that way. Also, take out your sermon notes right now if you're following along on paper, or if you have a smart device, you can go to the Uversion app and search under live events, and uh, you'll find the outline there. We've been in this series, and today is the last message in our Proverbs series called Get Smart, Wisdom for Purposeful Living. And we've covered a number of topics over the summer. I just want to do a quick review with you, and uh, we have them up on the screen. Uh, We've talked about generosity. We've talked about our ego. We've talked about the tongue, about sex. Well, actually, you didn't get the sex talk here in live uh, because we had a guest that day from Pakistan, and we didn't think it would be, you know, good for us to ask him to cover the sex topic. So so here we we didn't get that. 
But in Milton and Portico Espanol, they talked about sex on that Sunday. And if you want to hear that message, you can go out to our app or to the website, and uh, you can hear the message that we put together on that topic. Uh, Also, we've talked about money, about authority, and about relationships last week. And today, we're going to finish with the topic of truth. Now, some of you may have noticed this already, but if you read down the left-hand side of the screen, what does that actually spell? I <laughs> see what we did there? Wasn't that smart? I know, right? Okay, that's all we're going to say about that. Um, today, we're talking about truth, about truth. And we've all heard it before, growing up in our lives, you know, honesty is the best policy, and being honest and telling the truth, this is a critical part of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. But also, you know, just an all-around good person. If you want to be uh, just an okay guy, an okay lady, being truthful is one of those things that's a good thing to do. And we've covered a lot of this kind of material in the last few months. And if you want to go back and review some of that, I can think of at least two messages from our Ephesians series that you could check out and you can find those on, on the app or on our website. And the two messages I'm thinking about from our Ephesians series, one was called the tactical belt when uh, Pastor Doug covered with us the belt of truth and how that impacts our lives and how we need to sort of have that on in order to be ready for the attack of the enemy. And then we also uh, covered early in this series on a message called New Conduct when we talked about the importance of always speaking the truth as a part of that message. And so I just encourage you, uh, go back and review a little bit. But today, I want to come at this subject from more of kind of a big picture sort of perspective, kind of the 30,000-foot aerial view, if you will. Uh, Proverbs 8, verses 6 and 7, Solomon says this, Listen to me, for I have important things to tell you, and everything I say is right, for I speak the truth, and I detest every kind of deception. Now, Solomon was giving all kinds of truth to his boys in the book of Proverbs. And if you go to the the very first chapter, he outlines, you know, what it is he's going to be talking about and how important it is for them to take these concepts and precepts and these truths and apply them to their hearts and to their lives. But there is an an underlying uh, principle in Proverbs that, that, uh, you know, indicates that, that kind of a relationship with God, a connection with God is something that we need to, to have in order to understand really what truth is all about. Because truth can be an elusive concept. It seems simple enough, all right, but it isn't always just that simple. What is truth? I mean, what is truth really? And, uh, you know, I was looking at some things this week and I came across this, uh, this one particular article called The Men's Thesaurus. And uh, it kind of gives us some insight into what happens when we, you know, sometimes when we say one thing, but, but we really mean another. And are we always being truthful in our statements? Here's, here's some of the things that came out of, you know, that, that men's thesaurus. And by the way, I'm not suggesting that you should, you know, use these phrases and mean something different. I'm just telling you the way it seems to be, all right? So when a man says, it's a guy thing. Ladies, a man ever say that to you? That's a guy thing. Here's what that means. There's no rational thought pattern connected with this, and you have no chance at all of making it logical. Okay? How about this one? When a man says, can I help with dinner? What he really means is, why isn't it already on the table? Uh Uh-huh. Okay, you've heard some of these. When a man says, take a break, honey. 
you're, you're working too hard. You know what he means? He means, I can't hear the game over the vacuum cleaner. <laughs> yes, that's what he means. When a man says, you look terrific, he means, please, don't try on one more outfit. I'm starving. <laughs> right? Sometimes we say certain things, but we maybe mean something else, and the truth really isn't getting across the way that we hope. It's an elusive concept sometimes. That's just humorous and maybe, you know, just a little sad, but there really is actually some science behind this idea that truth is elusive and that we can sometimes convince ourselves that certain things are true when they really aren't. It's called confirmation bias. And uh, this is something that happens in the brain. Like I said, it's scientific. And it's a tendency for people to favor information that confirms their preconceptions or their hypotheses, regardless of whether the information is true. As a result, people gather evidence and recall information from memory selectively and interpret it in a biased way. For example, you know, we only pay attention to the facts that prove what we already believe. This is why uh, we have a difficult time ever truly changing our opinions. So if we think that, that the highways or the freeways in the GTA are dangerous, for example, then all we see are the accidents that happen. Every time we see an accident, we go, oh, yeah, see, you know, I told you, the hi- they're dangerous, the highways. We don't notice all of the people who are driving safely, uh, you know, and who are signaling and doing, you know, driving the speed limit and, well, there's not very many of those, but anyway, we don't notice them as much, right? We, we sort of reject that other information. Or if we think that flying is unsafe, then we hear every news story about plane crashes, but we ignore statistics that tell us there is much more chance of dying in a car accident sorry, you car accident people, much more chance of dying in a car accident than there is in a plane crash. Um, Ohio State University said this, we will read 36% more material confirming what we already believe as opposed to challenging what we believe, and we will ignore material that says otherwise. Now, it's interesting, even when we are, you know, when we're right, and when we're on the side of truth, sometimes we we tend toward, not sometimes, we do tend toward this confirmation bias kind of idea. We tend to reject anything that challenges, and we get nervous when somebody tries to challenge, you know, what we believe. But I I want you to know something today. When you're on the side of truth, you don't have to be nervous about the challenges, because the truth is the truth, and nothing is going to change that, right? Okay, you sound certainly convinced. Right. This predisposition towards bias, it doesn't help us when it comes to understanding these concepts, especially concepts like truth. Depending how we were raised and what we were taught to believe growing up, we have some things to overcome in order to be able to fully understand, you know, about truth and what truth is. And then we have this additional um, element of society. In our society, more and more today, we are hearing that there is no absolute truth, that truth is somehow relative It's relative to prevailing circumstances. It's relative to how I feel. It's relative to what my belief system is. The world says there is no one truth that dictates or governs. Truth is relative. This idea then negates the idea of any kind of moral law or absolute truth. And this is most of the problem that we have in our our world today. People don't, don't recognize what truth really is. Robin Schumacher 
talks about this moral relativism, and he says it espouses a qualified view where morals are concerned, especially in the areas of of moral practice, individual moral practice, where personal and situational encounters supposedly dictate the correct moral position. And so instead of looking to some sort of absolute truth, we somehow try to, to, you know, frame our own truth based on our circumstances, based on our feelings, based on the stuff that's happening in our world. Frederick Nietzsche summed it up this way. He said, you have your way, I have my way, and as for the right way, it does not exist, which is a sad, sad commentary on thought in our society today. So many people in our world even, you know, whether they even re- realize or acknowledge it or not, they are struggling with the answer to this question, how do I define truth? How do I define truth? And so we're basing in the book of Proverbs today and looking at other parts of Scripture as well, some bigger ideas, and we're talking about the wisdom for purposeful living as it relates to truth. And so I want to leave you just three short little statements short little directives regarding truth. Three things that we need to do where truth is concerned. And the first one is this. We have to to know the truth. We have to know the truth. We have to know the truth. I said that, you know, many people are asking the question, how do I define truth? But that's the wrong question. And it's the wrong question because we don't define truth. We don't define truth. Truth is something to be discovered, not defined. Okay? It's something to be discovered, not defined. Solomon says this in Proverbs 23, and verse 23, he says, Buy the truth and do not sell it. Wisdom, instruction, and insight as well. And so Solomon's passing on this wisdom to his boys, and he says something here about truth. He says, he says it's valuable, and we need to know it. We need to do whatever we can to get our hands on it. He says to them, truth is, is the one thing that you need to, to do whatever you can to obtain. Buy the truth. Do not sell it. So buy the truth. What does that mean? Well, I think it means this. It means that truth costs us something. That there is some sacrifice involved in following truth, in, in knowing truth. That we have, to, we have to align a certain way in order for truth to, to have any kind of impact in our lives. We need to buy the truth. We need to sacrifice whatever we have so that we can get it. Buy the truth, but do not sell it. It's not for sale. Truth is not for sale. A commentary I read this week said this about Solomon's words regarding truth. And he said this, There is then such a thing as the truth that is accessible to us. We can know it and are not to be forever groping amid more or less likely guesses, but may rest in the certainty that we have hold of foundation facts. For us, the truth is incarnate in Jesus. And he has solemnly asserted that, that truth we shall, if we are wise, buy by shunning no effort, sacrifice, or trouble needed to secure it. We need to do whatever we can to have the truth. So the proper question here is not how do I define the truth, but rather how can I know the truth? That is the question that Solomon tells us to give up whatever we need in order to get the answer to, buy the truth, or in other words, sacrifice to get it. Do whatever you can to get it, because truth has intrinsic value. Jesus said, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. The truth will set you free. And then he went on to say this. He said, if I set you free, you're free indeed. You know what else he said? John 14 and 6, he said, guess what? I'm the truth. I am the way, 
and the truth and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. So are you ready for this? The truth is a person. The truth is a person. And without understanding that the truth is the person of the Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we have really then no other way to understand or know truly what the truth is all about. And so we need to know this, that Jesus is the truth, that that the Christian worldview, that God and all that we know about him has to be the basis for our understanding, our knowledge of truth. But just knowing the truth is not enough. Just knowing the truth is not enough. We need to know the truth, but then we need to take it the next step, but we need to embrace the truth. We need to embrace the truth. It's got to somehow become personal for us. Proverbs 1 and verse 7 says, The fear of the Lord is the foundation of true knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. Solomon, early in this book of instruction to his son, says a lot here about truth or about true knowledge. He says that in order to really understand or embrace it, we need to come to the place where we fear the Lord. Now, don't, don't make that too much more than it needs to be, okay? What it means here, he's talking about a, a healthy fear, about a reverence and a respect for God and for who God is, about giving God his rightful place in our lives and honoring him for who he is. This kind of reverence and awe is what motivates us to surrender our lives to the creator of the universe. Fools, he says, despise wisdom and discipline. But the fear of the Lord is the foundation of true knowledge. Before we embrace the truth, well, fearing the Lord means something a little different. It means that, that for those who choose not to honor God and give him his rightful place in their lives, then, then what we have to fear from God is, is ultimately one day, you know, judgment, that we will all stand before him at some point in eternity, and God one day will ask us to give an answer for all the things that we've done here on this earth. When we don't know Christ, when we don't have a relationship with God, we can fear that, fear the Lord that way. But when we embrace the truth, and we know that Jesus is the truth, we read it together earlier, no one comes to the Father, to God, except through him. So when we say yes to Jesus, and we invite him to be the leader and the Lord of our lives, we give him the honor and the reverence due him, that is coming to a a place of reverent fear of the Lord fearing the Lord with reverent awe and with respect. And so this proverb says is the foundation of true knowledge. Hebrews says it this way, Hebrews 12, Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe. The awesome part of all of this is this. Everyone has the opportunity to embrace the truth. We don't need to fear God in that, in that unhealthy sense that I talked about before. We don't need to fear God's judgment because we've been given the invitation, we've been given the opportunity to know the truth and to embrace it for ourselves. Jesus came and he sacrificed his life so that all of us could embrace God's truth. God so loved the whole world, it says in John three sixteen, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. And so all you need to do today is to say yes to him, and you've embraced the truth. When you say yes to Jesus, you're in. 
You're in the family of God. And you begin a, a, whole new, a whole new experience in life. Now, I know. I know it's not always easy to take that step. I know that, that you know, we, we, a lot of us, we understand about the truth. We have lots of people in the world who say to us, you know what, Jesus was, he was a great man. He was a great teacher. He taught really good things. But when it comes to the exclusive part where Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, that's when people put up, hold it. Whoa, just wait a minute. And it's not always easy. It's difficult. Once you've settled on a set of beliefs, once you have decided on your worldview, it's not easy to change. Statistics tell us that 80 to 90 percent of what we believe at the core is set in us by the time we reach adolescence. The numbers concerning people who make the decision to commit to Christ and his teaching are quite staggering. Of those who say yes to Jesus, 43 percent publicly commit to Christ before the age of 13. Isn't that wild? 43% before the age of 13. We're looking for people to serve in children's ministries. You can come and talk about us after. Because this is an incredible opportunity for us to teach young people about who Jesus is and about the truth. Only 24% ever make a decision for Jesus after the age of 21. But I want you to know today, if you're over 21 and you've not taken the step, you can beat the odds. You can beat the odds. You just need to embrace the truth today. And I illustrate it this way. Many of you are familiar with my adoption story. And and a few years ago, at about 46 years of age, I started to do the research required to find my birth mother. Never had any interest before that. I knew that she was out there, and uh, that was okay. But I had great parents, and I wasn't really worried about it. But for some reason still a little bit unknown to me, I began to, began to wonder and to think, maybe, you know, maybe I should look into this. And so I started to do the research, and it actually turned out to be fairly easy to get the information that I was looking for. A simple online form was filled out. I pressed submit on the web, and it went off to the Ontario government, and about two months later, I got a letter in the mail that included my record of birth and my adoption record. And I remember getting it. I, I still wasn't sure what I would do with it. Now I had the information. I looked at it for a long time that first day. I read it and I reread it over and over again. I saw, you know, the maiden name of my mother and, and how old she was at the time of my birth. I saw the city that she was from when I was born. And so I, I had the knowledge that I needed. Now I knew the truth. But I put the form on my dresser. I didn't look at it again for weeks. I was thinking. I was debating. I was wondering what would be my next step. And, and once in a while I would take it down and I would look at it again and And I would read it, and then I would, you know, I'd fold it up, and I'd put it back in the envelope, and I'd put it back on my dresser. Months went by. But you see, knowing the truth about my birth mother didn't change anything in my life. It didn't change anything. I knew the truth about her for months, but nothing about my situation changed even a little. Eventually, I began to do some further research. I tried to locate her, and and even then, once I had located her, nothing changed. I just knew where she lived now. It wasn't until I actually took the step and I reached out and I made contact with her that something began to change. You see, until I reached out to her to tell her who I was and eventually met her, that that, that anything changed. And now we're on this journey together and she's my mom and I'm her son. And it doesn't change the fact that I already have a great mom who loved me and raised me. And, you know, I just have two now. And after 47 years or so of not 
knowing one another. We're slowly building a relationship. It takes time. It takes effort. And we're, we're growing in that, but we're making it work. Why do, I, why do I tell you all that? I tell you that because it's the exact same way with knowing the truth about God and what he's done for us through Jesus Christ. You see, all you need to do is to take the knowledge, the truth that you know about God, and you need to now begin to reach out and embrace it through Jesus Christ. You know, one of the biggest questions I had about reaching out to my mom was, you know, what if she doesn't want a relationship with me? What if, what if you know, that's not something that she's interested in? And maybe you've got that same question today. And, and you know what? Pastor Duane has already told you. You don't need to worry about that. God is for you. And I want to tell you today that Jesus is waiting with open arms for you to take that step and to embrace the truth. He wants to have a relationship with you. That was God's whole purpose in sending Jesus in the first place so that relationship could be restored because of what sin had broken. And so you don't need to, to worry about whether or not God wants a relationship with you. I'm here to tell you he does. You've heard it this morning a couple of times. All you need to do is reach out and embrace him. The purpose of God in sending Jesus was to do just this. And so I challenge you today, before you leave this place, take a moment to embrace the truth, to say yes to Jesus. And I'm going to give you that opportunity in just a few moments. One last thing, and then I will be done today. My son, it says in Proverbs 6, 20 and 21, my son, obey your father's command. And don't neglect your mother's uh, instruction. Keep their words always in your heart and tie them around your neck. You see, part of embracing the truth is learning everything you can about it. The fear of the Lord is only the beginning of true knowledge. There is much more to learn and to understand. And Solomon was teaching his boys to pay uh, careful attention to their parents' instruction, those who were over them and who would give them uh, the truth about who God was and about how they should live and so on. And so as they taught them about the truth, Solomon said, pay careful attention. But there is something else here in Solomon's words. Not only must we know the truth and embrace the truth, we need to live the truth. We need to live the truth. Keep their words always in your heart. Tie them around your neck as constant reminders of how you should live. As followers of Jesus, followers of the truth, we're called to live differently. We must live the truth that we embrace and believe. And I think this is where many struggle. There are so many other influences in our lives that we are subject to and that bombard us every day with a set of values and a set of behaviors that seem widely accepted to, to most people, but that aren't consistent with what it means to live the truth of following Jesus in our lives. And I'm not talking about things that you know, have to do with personal preferences or even legalistic thinking brought forward from the past. We know that you know, there are a lot of things that, that used to be taboo that we just don't necessarily feel the same way about today. For too long, Christians were known only for what they were against and not what they were for. But here's the thing. I'm not talking about that stuff, but I am talking about things that impact the, the moral fiber of our lives, things that the Bible is directly clear about that are wrong and that are inconsistent with the truth of God's Word. Simple example, telling the truth. Proverbs 14 and 25 says, a truthful witness saves lives, but a false witness is deceitful. And so 
There's just a simple example. Honesty is important to live out as a value when we have embraced Jesus, who is the truth. Honesty in everything. So tell the truth. Don't be deceitful. Don't lie on your taxes. Don't cheat or take shortcuts. Live the values you say you believe. Be true to yourself and to your commitment to God. And be the person in the dark that you say you are in the light. You know what? When no one's looking, like, live like everyone is watching. Live especially like God is watching, because He is, because He is. And if you need to know, you know, what the things are that God wants you to do, you need to look no further than His Word. The Bible contains truth about the things that God wants us to do and the way that He wants us to live. John 17, as Jesus is praying to the Father about His disciples, these, these men that God gave to Him, He prays and He says to God, to the Father, He says, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. Your word is truth. And so we've been looking at the book of Proverbs together. And the book of Proverbs is filled with instructions about all of these things, about everyday life. We've been learning a lot about that over the summer. Very practical things that we should be doing in our lives as followers of Jesus. Be generous. Avoid pride. Watch what you say, what comes out of your mouth. Learn to submit to authority and to exercise authority God's way. Last week we learned about, you know, 10 things about managing relationships that are extremely practical and that some of you right at the beginning of this this message said, yeah, I used a couple of those just this week. The big question is this, are we living what we're learning? Are we living what we're learning? Proverbs 10 and verse 9 says, whoever walks in integrity walks securely. But whoever takes crooked paths will be found out. That means whoever lives the truth. Walking in integrity is living the truth. You see, we can know the truth. We can even embrace the truth. You know, we can say the prayer and and accept Jesus and, and have him come and forgive us of the things we've done, but then just carry on living the way that we've always lived. That's not the way that it's supposed to work. We need to learn to live the truth. We need to live the truth, not live a lie. You know, when I was young, I can say this now because my kids are a little bit past the teenage age and hopefully it's safe. But when I was a young pastor's kid, I learned as a teenager how to be, how to be just exactly what my parents and my small church expected of me. In public, you know, I went to church every time the doors were open. Actually, I had no choice. Um, But I did. And I, you know, I played the bass for worship, and I was a youth leader in my youth group. I knew all the answers at Sunday school. I was the first one to raise my hand. Sometimes I even took notes of the sermons. I was a good kid on Sunday. But on Monday morning, when I got on that bus and went off to my high school in a nearby city, I became a different person. I wanted to fit in. I wanted to be cool like everybody else. And so from Monday to Friday, my life looked very different. I hung out with a crowd of kids that were pretty rough. My language started to get a little rough. I did things that I knew that my parents wouldn't approve of. And I did things that I knew that God wouldn't be happy about. I was, I was living a lie. I was saying I was one thing, but living something else. You see, the truth is more than just what we say. 
It's more than just making truthful statements. Truth is also a state of, of being. We need to live truth. Interestingly enough, you know, living a lie always leads to, to needing to lie in order to keep up the facade, and it's just a vicious circle. Proverbs 12 and 19 says, Truthful lips endure forever, but a lying tongue lasts only a moment. You see, God, He calls us to a forever kind of truth. He calls us to a relationship with Him through Jesus, who is eternal, who is eternal. And we need to embrace that this morning, but we also need to live it. Well, here's the good news. He knows that we'll mess up. He understands that living the truth is hard and that we will all fall and we will fail and we will sin. And His grace always gives us a way back. That doesn't mean that we go out and we willfully live in a way that we know is contrary to God's truth, but it means that in our effort and in our struggle to live the truth, when we slip up and when we fail and when we sin, if we will come to Him and ask Him, the Bible says He forgives us, because of his great grace, if we will confess our sins, it says, then he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We're about to receive communion together. And this exercise, this sacrament of the church that we observe, it gives us an opportunity to reflect, to remember and to reflect on what Jesus did for us, But it also gives us an opportunity to reflect on our own lives and to look inward and to think about, you know, how it is that we are living for Him. And to to think about, you know, God, is there anything, is there anything that I need to deal with today that will help me to live the truth better as I serve you? And I want to encourage you this morning to do just that as we prepare our hearts today. Some of you in this room resonate with some of what was said this morning. There are some of you, and the Holy Spirit is speaking to your heart, because when I talked about the need to embrace the truth, you thought, you know what? That's me. I know it up here, but it hasn't changed me down here. I've got all the knowledge. I've got the Bible on the bookshelf, and I take it down every once in a while, and I look at it, but I I really have never said yes to Jesus. I've never crossed the line of faith. And I want to give you that opportunity in just a moment. Some of you are in this room and you're living a lie. I don't know how to say it any other way except for that. And if the people sitting next to you knew what was going on in your private world, you would be appalled if they ever found that out. And you need to remember this morning, God does know. And his expectation of you when you've embraced his truth is that you would live it out. And so I pray the Holy Spirit will speak to your hearts in these moments. Would you bow with me in a word of prayer today? Father, in Jesus' name, right now. Lord, by the power of your Holy Spirit, I pray that you would speak to all of our hearts today. Father, for those who are in this room, and God, today is their day. They need to to step in, and they need to embrace the truth. They need to say yes to Jesus this morning. I pray you give them the courage to do just that. And with every head bowed and every eye closed and no one looking around today, I want to just ask you a question. If you're here today and you say, you know what, Pastor, that's me. I need to say yes to Jesus. I want to ask you, would you have the courage, just with every head bowed and every eye closed, just to lift your hand so that I can see it. 
because I'd like to pray with you. If you need to say yes to Jesus this morning for the very first time and accept him as your Savior and have him come and forgive you of the wrong things you've done, if that's you today, just slip your hand up very quickly and I'll see it and we'll move on. Anybody at all today? Thank you. Is there anyone else? Jesus came and he died for you. Thank you. Anyone else this morning? Just while we wait for a moment or two. Yes, at the back. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. One more moment. Just say, you know what, Pastor? I need to say yes to Jesus. I need to embrace the truth today, personally, for myself. Anybody else? Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for those who have raised their hands. And Lord, I pray that in this moment you'll give them the courage just to pray a simple little prayer. Say, Lord Jesus, thank you for dying for me. Come into my heart. Come into my life. I say yes to you today. I want to have a relationship with you. Lord, forgive me for the wrong things I've done and make me a new person. And God, as they pray that prayer today, just would you meet with them in these moments. And Father, we thank you for what you're doing in people's hearts and people's lives today. And just one more thing, with every head bowed and every eye closed, I just want to take a second. This one may be a little harder for some of you, but you're here today and you heard my words and you know in your heart the Holy Spirit is speaking to you right now that you're, you're not living the truth the way that you should be. And I just want to pray for you today. If you would like prayer, God would help you to live the truth better. Then just raise your hand right now. Would you do that? No one's looking around. Yes, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All across the room, your hands raised. Thank you. Thank you. You can put them down. Heavenly Father, we love you. God, we love you. And so many who have just raised their hands, God, they, they follow you. They want to serve you. But Lord, it's, it's so easy sometimes for us to fail and to slip up and God, to get into a pattern or a habit that is, that is something that is, is just hard to break. And I pray today, Lord, as so many have raised their hands and said, Pastor, I just need help. I need to, I need to live the truth in a better way. I need, to, I, I need your help. Holy Spirit, would you help them? Would you give them the strength and, and the courage, God, to make the decisions they need to make and to stop doing things they know that are wrong and, God, to, to step out and, and, Lord, to live the truth the way that you've called them to live it, to give them, God, the, the, the stamina to be able to do that and the ability, God, to serve you with all of their heart and with all of their mind and with all of their soul and with all of their strength. And, Lord, we thank you for the strength that you give us. We thank you for this time that we can share together, and we pray that, God, as we reflect in these moments on the cross and on all that you have done for us, that, Lord, you will meet with us, and we give you praise for that, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.